Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pub Trivia Experience. My name is Chris and tonight we are playing a little bit of a music trivia. Well, music and music adjacent. And it would not be music trivia without the maestro of the Pub Trivia Experience. You know what I'm talking about. It is Mr. Michael Mott. How you doing, sir? Hey, Chris. I'm doing well tonight. Mike, what's in your glass? I am so glad you asked that, Chris, because I'm actually really excited about this particular bottle of beer. I just happened to see this in the store as I was walking by the other day, and I had to buy it because it was just so unique sounding. This is a maple bourbon barrel aged imperial maple stout. Try saying that three times fast. That sounds delicious. It is, but I haven't gotten to the punchline yet. It is a pina colada style stout <laughs> because that's a thing with pineapple and coconut aged in maple syrup bourbon barrels. You don't have to sell me. I'm, I'm in. It, it is actually really good, but it's uh, it's very uh, it's very heavy and it's very uh, alcoholic. It's 12.8% alcohol by volume. Uh, it's from the it's a joint venture between the Evil Twin Brewing and Westbrook Brewing Companies. Okay, but it is it is it is delicious. It is actually um, it lives up to its description. It's pretty much exactly what you would expect from that description, which is to say, awesome. I don't really get the pineapple as much, but the coconut and the maple are are right there, and that's just a winning combination for me. It, pineapple seems like a really kind of hard taste, unless you're doing like, like a sour. It's a hard taste to get into a beer. Yeah, I would agree. I think it gets overwhelmed by the other more mm -hmm. powerful flavors of the bourbon and everything like that. I agree. Speaking of bourbon, um, I have got a bottle kill alert. By the time this recording is over, I will have killed my bottle of Larceny uh, single barrel from the Corona Cigar Company here in Tampa. I have got one pour left, and I'm going to be saving that for halftime. And then this bottle, which has been in my house for a couple of months now, will go sadly into the recycling bin, and I will have to replenish it with something else. Fare thee well, Larceny Bottle. You served Chris very well. You have served me well, my friend. Bon voyage. <laughs> Mike is flying solo tonight, and he is taking on the team of his awesome wife, Nikki, and the pride of Reno, Nevada, Sarah. Let's start with Nikki. Nikki, how you doing, and what's in your glass? I'm doing pretty good. I'm drinking... Like, I don't even remember the what. It's the kind. it was the Sterling Winery. Oh, the Sterling Winery yeah. uh, red wine blend. It's very nice. <laughs> All right, finally, someone living in Nevada doing the state proud. Sarah, how are you, and what are you drinking? I am doing great, Chris. How are you doing? I am sober, but I'm working on it. Well, I'm staying sober because we have to go against Mike in a music challenge. Uh, but I do have a, I want to say it's pronounced Bundaberg, seems a little German to me, a ginger beer um, that proudly says it's been craft brewed for over three days. So I don't know how long you're supposed to craft brew ginger beer, but they seem extremely proud of this because it is on the label. It's an arduous um, process, okay? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so, you know... For three days, but it's of the it's not my favorite of the ginger beers, but it's nice, refreshing. I like a good ginger beer with a lot of heat, and meh, this one's not so much. 
Ginger beer, I've always used it as a mixer, but if you enjoy it, by all means, drink it. Well, we have got our game tonight. Sarah and Nikki taking on Mike in music and music-adjacent trivia. I am your host, and we're going to get started with our pregame. Your pregame tonight is going to be five questions, and the answers are going to be either true or false. I will read you a question, and your team will lock in either true or false. Pretty simple. Are we ready to get started? Let's do it. You said simple. Like, can we screw up true or false? <laughs> I'm kind of waiting for it. <laughs> Nikki, I hope not. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a long day. Hmm. Here we go. Question number one, true or false, and this is to both teams. Johnny Cash's estate turned down a request from an advertising company that wanted to use his song, Ring of Fire, in a commercial for hemorrhoid cream. I feel like that is, well, sorry, I'll just, I'll lock in and I'll let them discuss it. <laughs> Mike's locked in, Nikki. Sarah, talk it out. I mean, I want it to be true just because it's fantastic, but I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking true. I, yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that, but I can't remember seeing a hemorrhoid ad for that plays Ring of Fire, so. Yeah. I mean, I my instinct said true, so let's just go for it. Let's go for true. Okay. They went true. They went true. Mike, what did you say? Yeah, separation already. Uh, I feel like this is one of those jokes that has been going around the internet for years, but is not actually true. So I said false. So I did double check this in two sources. It's actually true. <laughs> Sarah and Nikki get the points. Question number two. The military orchestra for the tiny nation of Monaco has more members than its army. True or false? I will lock in. I don't know what you think, Sarah. I mean, I've heard that some of these smaller countries, like, uh, their army's not that big. Or they're, I, I don't, I would say, I don't know. I would say, I would go with true, probably. Right, we can, we can go with true. Let's go true. They've gone true. Mike, what do you say? Yeah, th this just strikes me as one of those facts that it's not something that would be made up. It's got to be true. Mike has very little faith in his question writer. And it is true. The orchestra for Monaco has 80. The military orchestra has 85 people. Their army has 82. What that means is one of those militias out in Oregon could actually take over Monaco if they ever wanted to get the hell out of my country. <laughs> but one of those militias in Oregon could likely take over quite a few countries if they chose to. That's true. Although if you ever want to feel good about yourself. If you ever want to feel good about yourself, I want you to keep in mind that the landlocked nation of Mongolia has a navy. <laughs> that is also true. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, their navy is one tugboat and it patrols a lake. Well, makes sense. Question number three. Leo Fender, the namesake of the Fender guitar brand and inventor of the famed Stratocaster, could not actually play guitar. Locked in. I'm going to go false, Nikki. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you'd have to know how to play it, right, to design it. Yeah. Agreed. Girls say false. Yeah, false. Mike, what did you say? I, I'm a little worried about because game theory has it that you've already had two true questions, but I feel like I have heard this before and it's true, but it might be apocryphal story. But I said true. 
And it is true. Question number four. Of Jimmy Buffett's three hot country number one hits, two of them are collaborations with other artists. True or false? Locked in. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I can think I mean, of one of his, yeah. but I, uh, I, don't I don't know. know. It, I don't know if it, he wrote it with anybody else. I mean, I'm I'm just thinking like what Margaritaville. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what like other. I can only think of that. Uh, it's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah, I I would say false. Uh, yeah, I, I I could be wrong, but I would say false. All right, let's go false. Mike, what did you say? If I had to guess what the three were, I would say it was probably Margaritaville, Cheeseburger in Paradise, and Five O'Clock Somewhere, uh, of which Five O'Clock Somewhere might have been a collaboration. The, the version I'm most familiar with is the live version with him and Alan Jackson, but I'm pretty sure the other two were not. So I also said false. So your correct answer is false. Uh the misinformation in there is not in the collaboration. He actually only has two number one hits mm. in the country top 100 charts. They are both collaborations. Oh. One is It's Five O'Clock Somewhere, which came out in 2003 with Alan Jackson. The other is a duet called Knee Deep with Zach Brown Band that came out in 2011. Huh. Okay, no kidding. All right. Question number five in our pregame. The iconic opening... Sorry, the iconic openings to Eddie Floyd's Knock on Wood and Wilson Pickett's In the Midnight Hour are the same openings with the chord progression reversed. I'll lock in. I mean, I don't know. That feels like it's something that would be true because I was leaning toward true also. Okay. All right. We'll go true. Mike? Uh, Honestly, I just game theoried this one. I said you'd have more than one false question, so I said false. It is actually true. Uh, the opening to both were co-written by uh, a gentleman by the name of Stephen Cooper, uh, a guitarist that worked with both musicians. So it is literally, go back and listen to it. I listened to it today. First off, both those songs are amazing. Um, really just Oh my God, great, great, great music. But no, it's it's definitely true. So we're going into round one, and the girls have got a eight to six lead. They've got to feel good about Ooh, themselves. <laughs> we're going to need every point we can get. <laughs> you, you know, I'm, I, uh, I feel like I'm totally going to shit the bed well, in this game. But, but this, is, this is what we have to do, Sarah. We just have to keep saying how great he is, and he's going to all of a sudden second guess himself. We're going to get into his head. This is how we win. Okay. Oh God, this is, Let's do this it. This is the peril of playing against your wife. <laughs> You are so good at music, baby. <laughs> I'm sure he's right about everything. <laughs> All right, Mike, being that you are going into the opening round trailing, you will get the first question. I'm going to read off your category titles, and you will tell me which question you want. Remember, uh, for both teams, each half of the game, you're going to be given a rebound. A rebound can be lodged after the question is asked. You do not get a chance to talk it out with your teammate. You'll have to lock in your answer right then and there. If the person that the question is directed at gets the question wrong, you can then steal their 10 points. Mike, your categories for round one are going to be 90s alternative rock, 70s music done right, streaming music, and Motown. I, I mean, do, do you have to ask? <laughs> Motown it is. 
No, I'll take I'll uh, I'll take '90s alternative rock to start. '90s alternative rock. Here is your question: In the hit Weezer song "Buddy Holly," what classic TV actress does the singer compare his girlfriend to? Uh that would be Mary Tyler Moore. Okay, the girls do not get a chance to lock their rebound. I'm in. sorry, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> it's okay. They didn't need. They didn't need it. <laughs> Mike is correct. The correct answer is Mary Tyler Moore. Nicely done. Ten points to Gryffindor. You mean Slytherin. That's true. Ten points to Slytherin. Nikki and Sarah, do you want 70s music done right, streaming music, or Motown? What are, what are you feeling, Sarah? If I had a preference, I would do probably 70s or streaming music. I don't really know what that is. All right, well, let's go, let's go 70s. Here is your 70s music done right question. What band's 1973 album spent an astonishing 741 consecutive weeks on the Billboard chart, lasting all the way up until 1988? Mike, do you want to rebound? You know I do. All right, Mike, lock in your rebound answer. I've, I, Chris, I've locked in my rebound. All right, girls, feel free to talk it out. So night so, so basically it was a popular album for a long time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> all right. So who were some really popular bands in the early seventies? Um, I'm think. I mean, I'm thinking I, I could be wrong. I'm kind of veering toward Rolling Stones. Yeah, I think that would make sense. But which album? Oh, we have to name the album. I think I think it has to be the album. It's just the. I think he was just asking. Oh, the was band, it just right, the band? Chris? Just the band. Oh, okay. Then yeah, I would say Rolling Stones. They have locked in Rolling Stones, and unfortunately, that is not a correct answer. Oh. Mike, you did lodge your rebound. What was your rebound answer? I did. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is the album "Dark Side of the Moon" by Pink Floyd. Ah, so I locked God. in Pink Floyd. They were that early. Oh, yeah. The, Pink Floyd started it. Their first album was 67, I think. Oh, yep. see, I thought they were like late 70s to <laughs> early 80s. I mean, they were still around in the 80s, still yeah. popular, so it right. makes sense. It is Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, released in 73. The iconic uh, laser light show that accompanies Pink Floyd actually did not come into play until 1986 when it was first done in San Antonio, Texas. Really? Yeah. It... They weren't even they weren't even still together nope. at that point in time. <laughs> They weren't still together when the album dropped off the Billboard charts, too. So <laughs> that's a good point. That's right, a good Mike. Point. Here's your chance to take a little bit more of a lead. Do you want streaming music or Motown? Gosh, this is probably stupid, but I think I'm actually going to take Motown. Here's your Motown question, Mike. What two Motown legends release a duets album in 1973 despite multiple issues during recordings? One of them was pregnant at the time and took umbrage with the other's rampant marijuana usage during recordings, fearing for the health of her child. Because of these and other scheduling issues, almost the entirety of the album ended up being recorded separately and stitched together in post, much like how your own host here tonight stitches every one of our shows together. Girls, do you want to rebound? I don't, Nikki, do you? <laughs> All right, Mike, they have chosen not to use their rebound. What do you think? Talk it out. I think I should have gone with streaming. 
Um, he said 73. Uh, he said, so, I mean, the, 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 the one hint that you, that you gave me was one of them was pregnant at the time, which tells me it's a woman. <laughs> um, I mean, but when I think of honestly, like, you know, uh, I think Aretha Franklin, uh, would probably is the one that, that jumps out there. Um, and then who, you know, I, for whatever reason, um, Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles were the two that popped into my head. I don't know that I'm going to get anything better. So, uh, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, uh, Ray Charles and Aretha Franklin. All right. They've, he's locked in with Ray Charles and Aretha Franklin. Unfortunately, those are not correct answers. Nick, you didn't lock in the rebound, but what was your guess? Oh, honestly, I had the year wrong. Like when you, I thought, I thought you said um, sixty-three. So, oh. <laughs> so I it was like the Supremes, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, could have been Diana Ross. It could have been, but it could be Diana. Ross. It could definitely sure. still be Diana Ross, but because I just kept I thinking of like Marvin Gaye or Aretha Franklin. Yeah, but Di- Diana Ross is a much better guess than Aretha Franklin, actually. Damn it! If only you two could have combined your answers. It was Marvin Gaye and Diana Ross. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yep. Yep. Now that I hear that, I actually that actually rings a bell. That leaves the category of streaming music to Nikki and Sarah. Here is your question. Released in 2016, what song's video is the most viewed video on YouTube with roughly 7.4 billion views since it was released? Now, I will tell you, roughly half of those views came from my house in the last year. What? So a is a song from 2016? Where is Leah? Can we phone a friend? Yeah, I mean, like she might know. What, what do you guys? What do you guys Google at your house or watch on YouTube? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like popular songs in 2016. I don't know. I don't remember anything anymore. It's 2020. Like everything else is like don't remember. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> Was that that stupid? When did that baby shark shit come out? Was that like, is it one of those annoying songs like that pencil song or the baby shark thing or baby? Uh, yeah, it could be baby shark. Pink, pink, fong. damn it. That's pink, what it is. Pink fong, baby shark. Yeah. I mean, that, that is definitely streamed in our house like 10 times a day. So yeah. Well, I was just thinking streaming in their house over the last year. So mm. yeah. All right. Yeah. Pink fongs, baby shark. <laughs> Because we have kids. It is Pink Fong's Baby Shark. <laughs> All right. Nicely well done, done. Nicely done. As we head into round two, your scores are Mike with 26 points. Nikki and Sarah have 18. Here are your round two categories. One is Flashback 2005. Your second category is Doctors and Nurses, The Real Heroes. Awards or classical music. Sarah, Nikki, you get to pick first. I'm kind of curious I, what like questions are going to be in the doctors and nurses one, so you want to go for that one just to see what it's about? <laughs> yeah, let's do, let's go for it. Doctors and nurses. Yeah, doctors and nurses. They've gone with doctors and nurses, the real heroes. I'm going to mispronounce this name and I'm going to apologize in advance. Dr. James Lilia, L-I-L-J-A, now spends his days as a gynecologist in Los Angeles. 
His profession of choice is ironic, given that he was also the original drummer for what band before departing the band in 1987 to go to medical school? Sarah, Nikki, feel free to talk it out. So he's a gynecologist in L.A., so there's got to be some kind of 80s band that has some kind of reference to, like, a women's anatomy. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, that's the kind of question that comes with doctors and nurses. (laughs) (laughs) Just Just trying to think of a band in the 80s that had something to do with, like, female anatomy. A lot of bands in eighties had something to do with them. <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't ever specifically remember hearing about the the drummer, a drummer leaving to become no. a doctor. If you want, like, I don't know, eighties hair bands. The only thing that's coming it is like Poison or like White Snake. I, I, I honestly <laughs> have no idea on this one. Yeah. I don't. Is there something with Doctor in the name? Spin, uh, Spin Doctors. That's not eighties. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm out. I'm tapping out. Yeah, I I don't know. Mike can you can do your rebound. I I don't know. Sorry. Well, Mike doesn't have a rebound. Mike, do you want to? Oh. Wager a guess. What's the answer, Mike? Oh, I actually have no friggin' clue. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I've just been sitting here enjoying like. <laughs> I, I've been, I mean, I've been racking my brain, but I don't, I don't know either. If I could do this all over again, I would take the year out because I think the year led you earlier than you even want to admit because he was the drummer when this band first started and then left because he was young and wanted to go to medical school before they became anything. So the, the clue in there, if you can't tell, there's two. There's the clue of Los Angeles and the clue of a gynecologist. So the band is going to be a Los Angeles-based band. What is the main? What what is one of the main jobs of a gynecologist? Women's vajayjays. I don't know specifically. Not not specifically, but one of the biggest parts of their job is helping women through the childbirth process. Yes. Yeah, I mean, what do we call our children? Babies. (laughs) They are our offspring. Uh, he was the original drummer for The Offspring. It's funny because I kept I kept thinking to myself, well, if you want to talk about people who are doctors who play who play with mm-hmm. bands, you can talk about the lead singer of The Offspring. <laughs> Cuz he has his doctorate in molecular biology. He does. So I was just sense. I was like I was I kept thinking in my mind I was like there's is there a band like called Herpes? Like I don't know. Like, <laughs> I just, like, <laughs> and the correct answer is that hair metal band genital warts. <laughs> <laughs> this is your yeast infection band of the <laughs> <laughs> I know I was I was thinking like pussycat dolls or something like that. I don't know. So uh, fun fact, so in 2018, uh he was on trial for medical malpractice. Oh gosh. And he ended up saving the life of a potential juror who went into cardiac arrest during jury selection. After that happened, the judge ruled a mistrial to avoid any biases with the potential jurors and they actually ended up settling out of court. Yeah, I can see how that would happen. <laughs> so, unfortunately, no points there. Mike, you're up. Do you want Flashback 2005 awards or classical music? I think I will take Flashback 2005 because I at least know that I was listening to music in that year. All right, Mike, here is your question. 
What band's album X and Y uses an early form of telegraph coding from 1874 called Badat coding on its cover? The code literally translates to X and Y. And you did find our question that has a bonus question attached. This album has a hidden track called Till Kingdom Come that was supposed to be recorded with what iconic American musician? Sadly, he passed in 2003 before the recording could occur. And that bonus question is worth up to two bonus points. Nikki and Sarah, do you wish to rebound? I know the band. You want the band, right, Chris? Yeah, and you can also do a rebound on the bonus points if you want to throw a guess out there. All right, their bonus answer and regular answer are locked in. Mike, feel free to talk it out. I'm pretty sure this album was properly played at the speed of sound, uh, which was its lead single. Uh, I'm, I know the band is Coldplay. Um, I'm debating on the American artist. The first one that popped into my head because he passed away around that time. And I don't know that it necessarily makes sense for him to be him to have been planning to record something with Coldplay. Uh, nor does, but and it, also he's already appeared in this game so far. But the first one that pops in my head is Johnny Cash. And I don't know that I'm going to get anything better. So I'm going to lock in Coldplay for the answer and then Johnny Cash for the bonus. All right. And Sarah, what did you lock in as your answer? Coldplay and Johnny Cash. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds. <laughs> And those are both correct answers. Mike gets the 12 points. Nicely done. Sadly, Johnny Cash did pass in 2003 before they could get the actual recording done between Chris Martin and Johnny Cash. But hey, um, that out that, that song is out there on the album as a bonus track. So if you want to know what it sounds like, you can at least go listen to it. We are over to Nikki and Sarah. Do you want... Awards or classical music? <laughs> I would pick awards just because I yeah. have no classical music knowledge. Yeah, we'll go with awards, sure. Here is your awards question, and I will remind Mr. Mike Mott that he has already used his rebound. He cannot use it. <laughs> Here's your awards question. The lead singer of what band that built a pretty hate machine was also so hurt by Johnny Cash covering one of his songs that he retreated to Hollywood. Fortunately, that worked out for him as he won an Oscar in 2011 for Best Original Score for his work on the David Fincher film, The Social Network. Chris, were you looking for the singer or the band? I will take, I'm looking for the band, but I would take the singer as well. Okay. I know... I. Might know the band, but I feel like I can't think of their names. Chris, I just want to compliment you on a question that has f- like four hints. I tried so hard it. on this one. <laughs> that was amazing. Like I caught like another one the second time you read it. And I still don't know. That's the sad part. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I think it's Nine Inch Nails. Nick, do you know who the singer is? I don't know who the lead singer of Nine Inch Nails is. But I mean, it would make sense that that, that's, I kind of feel like I remember that cover. I can't, what the, what is his name? Do you want to go Nine Inch Nails? That's what I, that came in my mind, Nikki. I I don't remember. We can go with the band. He says the band, band counts, so we'll go with Nine Inch Nails. 
All right, they've gone with Nine Inch Nails. Mike, do you want to walk them through all the all the clues in the question? Uh, bow down before the one you serve, Whatever. ladies. You're going Whatever. to get what you deserve. Uh, yeah, so Pretty Hate Machine was Nine Inch Nails' first album. Came out in 1989. Hurt was the name of the Johnny Cash song, as Sarah as Sarah said that uh, that he covered by Nine Inch Nails. But Trent Reznor was not actually hurt by that cover. He actually said that. Excuse me. Sorry, Trent Reznor is the name of the. Of the lead singer of Nine Thank Nails. you, thank but he, you. But he actually said that uh, once he heard the Johnny Cash version, he said that song's not mine anymore. It belongs to Johnny Cash. He loved that he cover of that song. It just worked out well for the question writing. Yeah. Uh, no, I know. But long story short, you guys nailed it. It's not a huge big name band that it's not like his name is not one that a lot of people know, but it is Trent Reznor with Nine Inch Nails. Nicely done, Sarah and Nikki. Good job, Sarah. <laughs> and that leaves our classical music question to Mr. Mike Mott. I will remind Nikki and Sarah, you do have your rebound available. This is the last time to use that rebound before halftime. It will expire going into rounds three and four. Mike, here's your question in classical music. What classic composer dedicated his third symphony to Napoleon Bonaparte, who he believed embodied the democratic and anti monarch ideals of the French Revolution. He would obviously withdraw this dedication in 1804. Oof. Nikki and Sarah, do you want to lock in a rebound? Well, we, we might as well send you a guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can guess something if <laughs> you want. I have, like, I, right? I know like three composers. <laughs> Was that intentional? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Mike, your wife just called me a bitch. <laughs> I, knew, I knew I married this woman for a reason. <laughs> I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm just saying a little tact would be nice. <laughs> Mike, feel free to talk it out. So I'm going to this is actually going to be hilarious. I I will tell you that the, the way that I'm going, I'm approaching this question is to try and remember the names of the cat, the kittens from the Aristocats, <laughs> because they were all named after French composers, and that is literally the extent of what I know about French composers. I would assume this is a French composer. I don't think a non-French composer would be dedicating something oh, to yeah, Napoleon. <laughs> and the only one that I can think of is Berlioz, and I think, and I cannot remember the other two. And the only reason I remember Berlioz is because it actually came up last night in a completely unrelated game that we were playing. Uh, so I'm going to lock in Berlioz. Um, I don't even remember his first name, but I'm going to lock in with Berlioz. Mike has locked in with Berlioz. Unfortunately, that is not a correct answer. Uh, I believe that's Hector Berlioz. Is that right? That's, that's, that's what I was thinking was his first name, but I wasn't sure. I just had to look him up on Wikipedia because I had never heard of him. <laughs> it's a clue that the answer is not right. Nikki, you locked in the rebound for your team. What did you say? I said Amadeus Mozart, because why not? No. Nikki, what was your complete <laughs> oh, answer? Oh, Amadeus Mozart, bitch, yeah. No. Oh, that's not him. I forgot he said France. Yeah. And it's Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Yeah, I whatever. did say France. <laughs> this composer was not French, though. Mm. Unfortunately, we are looking for someone that is about 20 years younger than Amadeus Mozart. It is Ludwig von Beethoven. Ah. ah. It was Beethoven. All right. Your score is going into halftime. Mike, 
has got 38 points. Sarah and Nikki have 28. It is a 10-point game, and your halftime question is worth 20 points. You are going to get four points per correct answer, and your halftime question is a matching game. I'm going to give you five musicians or groups. You need to tell me which of the New York City boroughs the group or musician originated from. For solo acts, I'm looking for where they were born. For groups, I'm looking for where did the group get their start? Which of the boroughs did they really get their start in? For those of you that don't know, your boroughs are going to be Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten Island. Chris, clarifying question real quick. Yes. Is is there one per borough, or might there be like two from Queens or two from... That's an astute question. There is one per borough. Okay, that's what I want to make sure. Okay. Here are your artists. Your first artist is Billy Joel. Your second is the Wu-Tang Clan. Third is the Ramones. Your fourth is Jay-Z. And your last one is Lenny Kravitz. Again, Billy Joel, the Wu-Tang Clan, the Ramones, Jay-Z, and Lenny Kravitz. Okay, so we're our guesses are uh, Brooklyn is Jay Z, Queens, Ramones, Manhattan, Lenny Kravitz, Bronx, Billy Joel, and Staten Island Wu Tang. Let's do it. All right, we're locked in. All right, Mike, what did you say? So I know exactly where I lost myself on this whole thing, and it was because I ca- I second guessed Billy Joel. I had Billy Joel in the Bronx. And I think that's right. And the fact that they felt the same way uh, confirms that it was probably right. But I second guessed myself and I put him in Queens. And that was where everything fell apart. Because then I put Wu-Tang in the Bronx. I have the Ramones in Brooklyn. I'm pretty sure the Ramones are actually in Queens uh, hearing them talk. I put Jay-Z in Manhattan because I feel like he's kind of a poser. And then I put uh, Lenny Kravitz in Staten Island. I'm sorry, hold on, hold on. Did someone on this podcast just call Jay-Z a poser? <laughs> I don't want to be sued. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sure Jay-Z, he's... if you listen to this podcast, I'm really sorry. <laughs> or Beyonce, or Beyonce. Yeah, yeah or Beyonce. I don't definitely don't want to fit FM my girl Beyonce. I, I, I know very little about Jay-Z. I'm just... Here's how we're going to go through this. I'm going to list off the borough, and you're going to give me your answers. The first borough we're going to go with is Brooklyn. We had Jay-Z. Mike? I had the Ramones. Jay-Z is a correct answer. He is from Brooklyn. Yep. Yep. Queens. Queens, we had Ramones. Mike? Ramones is correct, but I had Billy Joel. The Ramones is correct. They are from Queens. Nicely done, ladies. Oh, solid, Nikki. Nice. Nice. Next up is Manhattan. Mike, what did you have? I put Jay Z in Manhattan, but I think they're I think they're right. But go ahead, wait, wait, you guys have? We put Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz is a correct answer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I knew he he dressed Kravitz. so nicely. Yes, yeah. Manhattan boy. <laughs> the Bronx, Mike. What did you say? Again, I said Wu Tang Clan, and they're correct. It's Billy Joel. Sarah, Nikki. Yeah, sorry, we put Billy Joel. Billy Joel is correct, and that, of course, means that Wu-Tang Clan is from Staten Island. Nice job, Sarah. I I hate New York City (laughs) questions. I know nothing about the boroughs. Like, I really don't. 
they just turned a 10 point deficit into a 10 point lead as we they did well three. done see i'm the i'm the guy who in the in the the moment in hamilton where they start singing about we happen to be in the greatest city in the world i'm like wait a minute you were just in manhattan and now suddenly you're in rome what what just happened here <laughs> wow mike you are not winning us literally any fans in the tri-state area all right, round three, your categories are going to be Super Bowl halftime shows, country music by the lyrics, Woodstock, and classic rock. Both teams have their rebounds remaining. Sarah and Nikki, which question do you want? This is kind of late. I feel pretty strongly about country and classic yep. rock. And we can go. You want to go country? Let's try country. All right, we'll go country. They're going country music by the lyrics. Name the 1990 country music number one hit based on the following lyrics. And now I'm glad I didn't know the way it would all go. Our lives are better left to chance. I could have missed the pain. Mike, do you want to rebound? I actually, believe it or not, have a very strong guess, but I'm not going to use my rebound on it. Nikki and Sarah talk it out. Nikki, that is one of my favorite songs, and it's The Dance by Garth Brooks. Mike, what was your guess going to be? It was not that. Uh, the, for whatever reason, the song uh, What Might Have Been by, I believe, Little Texas popped into my head. I thought it was later than that, uh, which is, was my only hesitation, but it fit the lyrical composition. But I'm sure they're probably right. They are 100% right. It is Garth Brooks' The Dance. Good job, Sarah. Mike, do you want Super Bowl halftime shows, Woodstock, or classic rock? Yes, because the country music question has been eliminated. <laughs> See, and now here it becomes, which ones do I want to make them choose from? Because I feel decent at all the rest of these. Um I think I'm going to say classic rock and let them choose between Super Bowl halftime and Woodstock. Here is Mike's classic rock question. What Hall of Fame American rock band started with seven members in 1967 under the name The Big Thing? After a name change in 1968, they found success, and at one point in 1974, the band had all seven of their albums, their entire compilation, on the Billboard 200 simultaneously. Sarah and Nikki, do you want to rebound? I don't have a guess. If you do, Sarah, then go for it. They are not using their rebound. Mike, talk it out. By 74, they had seven albums. Okay. Let's see. I'm going to... I'm going to... All right. All right. Let's, let's, let's start working, working our way here. I feel like I'm probably not going obscure enough here. Uh, as I mentioned before, Pink Floyd's first album uh, came, uh, came out, Piper at the Gates of Dawn. That was 67. So they would have formed before then. And I don't think they had seven albums by 1970. 1974 was when they had seven albums on the top 100? Correct. Okay. <sighs> Led Zeppelin would have had probably close to seven albums around that, around that time because... Because uh, they would have had one, two, three, four houses of the holy physical graffiti. Uh, and I, God, God, I don't even remember what their next album was after that. 
Um, that was pretty close. Uh, it's too late for the Velvet Underground because they're for well, and that was their original lineup, and they didn't have set. They had seven members to start. That was the that was the main thing in the question, right? They did start with seven members in 1960. 67 when they were born, when they were formed. Yeah. Yes. All right. So yeah, there, there, there goes Floyd Zeppelin velvets. Um, obviously the stones were before that. Uh, the who of course was before that seven members. Oh, could it be the, um, would they have had that many albums by that point? Could have been the grateful dead. They would have had, they would have, they were kind of a collective. So they would have had a decent number of, uh, oh shit. Could it have been like, like Sly and the Family Stone? Damn. This is a good question, Chris. This is, uh, yeah, because you're looking for more of a collective, not like your kind of classic guitar, bass, vocal, drum type of, of setup. So, yeah, no, this is a good question. Um, Huh. Grateful Dead and Sly and the Family Stone. They're both pretty decent choi decent guesses. I'm gonna uh I'm gonna say the Grateful Dead. I don't know that they ever chart they ever charted that much, but they were so prolific in that early era that I can believe they at least had seven albums in like their first seven years of existence. So I'm gonna say the Grateful Dead. No, I'm sorry. The correct answer is Slipknot. <laughs> well, at least they have at least more than guessed. seven members. Okay, Mike is answered with the Grateful Dead. Unfortunately, that is not a correct answer. Sarah, you were wavering back and forth whether or not to use it. What would your guess have been? We were just talking about this place, but I was going to go Chicago. This is a band that touted themselves as rock and roll with horns, hence the seven members at the start. It is Chicago. Oh, sorry, Sarah. Well, my fault, my fault. I wasn't, I didn't feel strongly enough. Well, no, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, because Chicago, their, their first album wasn't even released to Chicago. They were the Chicago Transit Authority. That is correct. All right. Sarah and Nikki, you're up. Do you want to go Super Bowl halftime shows or Woodstock? Which one do you feel the best about, Nikki? Uh, all right, let, let's, let's go Super Bowl and, and we'll see what happens. To be fair, the Woodstock the Woodstock question is whose house does Woodstock live on? So, <laughs> here is your question in the Super Bowl halftime show category, Mike. You do still have your rebound if you want to lodge it. Nipplegate and the wardrobe malfunction are terms associated with the Super Bowl halftime show featuring Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson. Within one year, either way, in what year did this occur in? I will give you a bonus one point per team. If you can tell me the two teams that played in that Super Bowl, Mike, oh, do you want to rebound? <laughs> yes, I, yes, I do, because I was there. Yeah, and I remember him being there. Nikki and Sarah, talk it out. I really hope the question was, like, who had the nipple incident at the Super Bowl? <laughs> I mean, I know, I mean, I know the nipple incident, but I... I don't, I remember Mike telling me what he was there, but I don't, I'm just trying to think about when it was. So that would have been where he lived. And that wouldn't help me too much because just where it was at doesn't mean I know who was playing. <laughs> so I remember watching that Super Bowl. Absolutely. So I would have been in high school during that. 
So it would have been, so year-wise, it would have had to have been in like 2002 or 2003. I feel old now. Thank you, Nikki. I know. Wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. so, <laughs> I'm older than Nikki. I'm pretty, I'm almost positive. I mean, uh, that was the, about the year. Oh, no, I'm a, I'm a big-time cradle robber. It's, it is <laughs> I want to say I was living in Florida when it happened, um, which would have been... Later than that, though, I, I, either my time's off. It. I was thinking. Yeah, I don't it mean like, it could have been. It could have been two thousand four. Yeah, like two thousand six, two thousand seven. I don't think it was that late. Because I mean, it was when Justin Timberlake and Janet ja- like when was I mean Janet Jackson? You know, I mean that was when Justin Timberlake had kind of first come out with his like new single album, like, his first single albums. And that had to have been like two thousand, late two thousands or mid two thousand. I don't know, early two thousands. Two thousand. I felt I felt like I was in high school when this happened, but maybe I'm wrong. No, maybe I'm completely wrong. When you were in high school, two thousand. What did you say? Two thousand two. Two thousand. Well, I was in high school. I was. I graduated high school two thousand four. So I would think it would have been like 2003, 2004. Okay. Because Justin Timberlake, when did, like, he would have left in, like, NSYNC was kind of big, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. Because he did this, like, right around when his first, like, solo albums was coming out. Like, so it had to have been early 2000s. Where, uh, where was Mike living in... Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to think if he was in California. I think he would have been in California. Well, he because he wasn't in Virginia. He would have been in college, but he might have been already graduated college, which meant he would be in Houston. But I just don't know if it was in Houston. But I don't even know if that matters to me because I don't know. I don't know who played. <laughs> so <laughs> I just asked that, and I realized it's not like baseball where they play in the cities that they're from. Yeah. So. Yeah, because it's whoever hosts the Super Bowl doesn't mean anything. I but I cannot know. remember who was playing. Was it the Saints in that Super Bowl? Like, was it was it kind of like, no, that would have been later because the Saints won. They won after Katrina. Like, it was like right after Katrina. And that was more like 2006. I can't. I couldn't tell you who was playing. I, I, I would. I would guess the year was around two thousand three, two thousand four. But I, I can't tell you who was playing. I would say two thousand three. Maybe it's two thousand three or two thousand four. Is my guess. What do you think, Sarah? Huh. We won either way. The you said two thousand three. I'm good. With, I'm good with that. I honestly have no idea. I thought it was like later. <laughs> yeah, I might. It might be. I might be totally off, but I'm gonna guess 2003. And I'm thinking the Patriots might be one of the teams because why not? Okay. Do you want to take a gander at the other team? Um, Seahawks. Dallas. Okay. Is it the Seahawks <laughs> or is it Dallas? <laughs> we'll go we'll or go we going with the Dallas Seahawks <laughs> the Dallas the Dallas <laughs> the Dallas Seahawks out of Houston thank you
<laughs> on the Dallas. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, sure. The Seahawks. Out of C- yeah. Fine. Okay, so they have locked in with 2003, the Patriots and the Seahawks out of Houston. Mike, you locked in a, a, a rebound. Do you want to tell them what your rebound answer was? Uh, I was at the 2004 okay. Super Bowl in uh, the lovely city of Houston uh, by virtue of a series of a confluence of really cool events that allowed me to be there. Um I stood outside of the stadium for two hours waiting to get in through security. We were not allowed to bring in cell phones. Uh, the song Hey Ya by Outcast was playing on repeat over and over again for those entire two hours. And that song's so fucking awesome that it didn't get old the entire time. We got into the stadium uh, to watch the epic matchup between the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. Mm, I got one team. Uh had no idea that any sort of quote-unquote nipplegate had happened at halftime, and we thought that the big scandal was going to be the streaker that somehow made his way onto the field at the very beginning of the second half. But because that had happened after the uh, nipplegate that we had no idea had happened, uh, it was apparently also censored by the networks. But anyway, the Super Bowl happened in 2004. It was between the Carolina Panthers and the New England Patriots. It was won on the last second by an Adam Vinatieri field goal, Stop me if you've heard that one before. Mike is 100% right, and that is 11 points for Nikki and Sarah. Nicely done. Mike, here is your Category 3 question in Woodstock. 1969's Woodstock is perhaps the most memorable music event in history. Artists that appeared there were paid between $750 and $18,000 to perform at the event. Ironically enough, the highest and lowest paid acts at Woodstock are actually both household names and Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. Name either act, and I'll give you a bonus five points if you can name both. Sarah and Nikki, do you want to lodge a rebound? Oh, yes. I should let you guys do that first. Do we get... You said you take the highest or the lowest? Correct. Nikki, I feel good on this one. I can okay. get at least one. Sarah, send me your rebound answer. All right, Sarah has locked in her rebound. Mike, talk it out. Uh, so as we learned on our recent episode of the Pub Trivia Experience, because it was my question, uh, Jimi Hendrix was the highest uh, paid rock star in the world uh, in 1968, which was just a year before Woodstock. So... My immediate inclination is to guess that he was also probably the highest paid to be at Woodstock in 1969. Um, so he would probably be one of my guesses. I would probably say the Jimi Hendrix. I don't know if I, I would just say Jimi Hendrix because I don't want to get bogged down in Jimi Hendrix experience versus all of his other projects. I would just say Jimi Hendrix. Um, as far as the low ball act, he, the one that popped into my head because he would have just been starting out and now it's weird to think about it now that he would have been the low paying, but he would have been, cause he's friggin' legendary now, but I feel like he probably would have been a low ball to start. The one that popped into my head was Carlos Santana as he was very new at that time, if I believe, and I don't know if I'm going to come up with a better answer. So I'm going to say Jimi Hendrix was the highest paid and Carlos Santana was the lowest paid. All right. He's locked in Jimi Hendrix and Carlos Santana. Sarah, what did you say? 
I had Jimi Hendrix as the highest paid, and then I guess the lowest paid Simon and Garfunkel. Now, Jimi Hendrix did make $18,000 for appearing at Woodstock in 1969. Nicely done. Mike gets the points there. The lowest paid act is a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame act. They appeared at Woodstock roughly two weeks before their debut album came out. And that is Santana. Mm, Good pull. Mike gets the points. And yes, I am taking Santana as opposed to Carlos Santana. I am kind of looping them in together the same way I'm doing with Jimi Hendrix, the Jimi Hendrix experience, and everything else they have entailed. I, 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 I couldn't remember where that was in Jimi Hendrix's vast array of things. And yes, I should have said Santana as opposed to Carlos Santana, but yes. Thank you for being generous. I am a benevolent overlord. <laughs> Your scores going into round four. Mike has 53 points. Sarah and Nikki have 69. Your round four categories. According to Chris, a ridiculously hard Beatles question, a.k.a. the musical chairs of dating other musicians and an 80s music tribond. The tribond means you would get three songs and you have to provide me with the artist or group that performed it. them. And we're going to start with Mike. You know I have to go with, according to Chris, a hard Beatles question. I'm curious what, according to Chris, is a hard Beatles question. Now, this is a hard Beatles question, according to Chris. Here we go. According to the Beatles song, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, what will you see if you follow the girl with kaleidoscope eyes to a bridge down by the fountain? Your your rebound has not been used yet, Sarah and Nikki. Do you want to lodge a rebound now? Mike knows this. It's no point. Okay. Mike, talk it out. Shit. She puts more faith in me. I'm sitting here going through the lyrics. Follow the guy. I... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, now you're mean. Oh, God. Shit. Follow the girl to the bridge for a fountain where... Oh, it's Marsh Marshmallow. I cannot believe I'm drawing a blank on this on the actual lyric on the like Oh fuck. <laughs> they were really high on acid at this point, right? They were Yes, yeah. Serious. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, oh god, it's marshmallow something and something pies. Where marshmallow people make Something pies. I cannot believe that I'm drawing blank. This I just the, the problem is that I just polished off this beer. That's the problem. Uh, this is a wonderful pina colada style stout that renders you incapable of remembering lyrics of songs you've only heard a hundred times. Wait, wait, is it rocking horse people make marshmallow pies? Maybe that's what it is. All right, that's what I'll say. It's rocking horse people make marshmallow pies. He's going with rocking horse people make marshmallow pies. Sarah, what would your answer have been? (laughs) Rocking horse people eat marshmallow pies. Oh, God, I've got to make a decision. That's up to you. She's right. It is eat marshmallow pies. The correct answer is rocking horse people eating marshmallow pies. So technically, neither one of you are wrong. 
But, Mike, I do think eating has kind of got to be in there. I'm sorry. I can't give you the points. It is rocking horse That's people fair. eating marshmallow pies. You almost got there, though. Yeah, you're no, you're you're right. You're right. That's fair. All right. It's it is absolute eating. I, I was just I was trying to come up with the two things. I wasn't concerned about the verb. That was my fault. All right. Nikki, Sarah, do you want AKA the musical chairs of dating other musicians or an 80s music tribond? Either the 80s ones like super easy or super difficult. Um Yeah. Which one are we going with? The uh, the tribond. Here is your 80s music tribond. What band had hits with the following songs? Our lips are sealed. Vacation and we've got the beat. Mike, do you want to rebound? Hell yes. Locked in. All right. Mike is locked in his rebound. Sarah and Nikki talk it out. I feel like I can sing all of these songs, but I don't know who I know. sang them. <laughs> can we sing? Do we get credit Our for lips that? are sealed. Do we get credit for not singing? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, mean I, I can hear all these songs in my head, but I don't know the band. I try to. I I can picture. It's not the B fifty twos. It's so. It's one of those. We've got the beat. We've got the. I know the songs, but I'm like, what's I don't. I don't know. I they sing. There has to be the Go Go's. I I don't really actually know the first two songs, but we've got the beat. I'm like ninety five percent sure is the Go Go's. All right. Well, that, I mean, I know the songs, but I don't know the name of the band. So the Go Go's makes sense. So we can go for that. And the Go Go's is a correct answer. Nicely yeah. done. Good job, Sarah. Mike, how you feeling, buddy? I, I'm feeling no pain right now, so I'm good. All right, Mike, it's up to you. Do you want AKA or the musical chairs of dating other musicians? Oh God. No, I don't want either of these. I wanted the fucking 80s Tribon and I would have gotten it. I still can't believe you verbed me, dude. You verbed me. It was a pretty significant part of the lyric. I had no choice. It's fair. It's fair. No, I like I said, it is tough but fair. You're tough but fair. I I don't know what to expect from either of these. Um I will go with AKA because I just don't I I'm more attuned to music than I am attuned to not music. So here is your category, your question in category AKA what iconic performer born Tracy Lauren Marrow has found success in both the rock and rap circles as the rapper behind the album Rhyme Pays and co-founder of the metal band Body Count. You may also know them as Sergeant Tutuola. Nikki, can we lock in? Do, do they still have a rebound? They have not used a rebound yet. Sarah, send your rebound over. All right, Mike, their rebound is locked in. Talk it out. Um, well, I, as I mentioned before, I have actually finished my beer. So um, if I wanted to stay awake any longer, which uh, I don't think I need more caffeine right now. Uh, but I know that I would get some if I consumed the beverage iced tea. Iced tea is a correct answer. Nicely done, Mike. And that leaves the final question of our main game to Nikki and Sarah in the category of the musical chairs of dating other musicians. Here's your question. 
Taylor Swift is single. And if you break her heart, I guarantee you, you're going to hear about it for literally the rest of your life. In 2013, she admitted that her 2012 hit song, I Knew You Were Trouble, was about who? Mike, do you want to lock in a rebound? I might as well at this point. So it's my one guess that I have, and I just locked it in. All right, Mike is locked it in. Sarah and Nikki talk it out. I would go with John Mayer on this. Yeah. John Mayer, because that was probably about the right time. Um, Because, like, Harry Styles was later, and then that dude from, like, Twilight was earlier than that, so... Okay, I think John I'm Mayer. trying to remember all of her lovers. And really the only one that stands out was John Mayer. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you're right, actually. I think she wrote, it could be more. Didn't she date Jake Gyllenhaal? Well, no, she's dated, like, everybody. But, I mean, I know, but I, because I remember reading, like, an article, like, I mean, I don't even, but I, I know that the song, song, like, something in December, that was about, um, Tyler Taylor Lautner from Twilight, but I think that so- the song I know was about John Mayer was um, "You're So Mean." That song was about John Mayer, but she could have written another song about John Mayer too. Um, and Harry Styles, I know she wrote a couple songs about Harry Styles, but I feel like I mean this was too. I mean this is too. I mean it actually could be Harry Styles because that was 2013. Um. But he might have been a little bit later. I don't know. She also dated a Kennedy, so I have no idea. <laughs> well, who hasn't? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she did. Jake, she dated Jake Gyllenhaal too. Again, she's dated so many guys. I don't know what song was written about. About. <laughs> I just, I just thought John Mayer because like his womanizing issues. So I feel like I remember something about him in that song i think john mayer is a good guess yeah i mean john i think i mean i think it's john mayer and harry harry styles and i think john mayer is probably more 2013 because harry styles probably for her would have been more like 2016 15 16 so yeah i think just because i don't really know anything about harry styles so i feel like that was later in life when i was not listening to Taylor Swift. Not that I'm admitting that at some point I listened to Taylor Swift. <laughs> I like Taylor Swift. I have no, bu- I have no beef about it. I'm gonna admit it. I kind of like her. Some, some of her songs are catchy. Um, but yeah, let's go, John Mayer. That's fine. I'm good with that. Okay. They have locked in with John Mayer, Mike. What was your rebound answer? Well, first of all, I would like to lodge a defense against Tay Tay. Male songwriters write about their exes all the time, and they do not get scrutinized nearly with the same degree as friggin' Taylor Swift does. Like, I genuinely do not like care that much. I don't. (laughs) But that said, it's 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 pop culture, and I had to throw it in here. I actually didn't. No, no, oh no, it just. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing the question. I'm criticizing this approach of being like, oh my gosh, we have to scrutinize every single Taylor Swift song where it's like, like every male songwriter since the 1960s has written song, like 
songs about their their conquests or their or this that and the other and it it just has not i in my opinion received this level of pop culture scrutiny all that being said i also locked in with the man who i, I don't even want to say it but i also locked in with john mayer and unfortunately neither of those is correct we should have listened to nikki it was harry styles Maybe he was later. Is is Harry St- Harry Styles? He's famous for something besides repeating the bullet, the bullet, the bullet over and over again in a song, right? He was in that. What's that band that really? He's One Direction. One Direction. He was also in Dunkirk. He was in Dunkirk. That is true. And he sang the bullet, the bullet, the bullet a lot. I don't mind Taylor Swift as much as other people do. I don't. I've never had a problem with Taylor. But hey, we're moving into the wager round, everybody. This is where things get interesting. I do have one beef with Taylor Swift, if I may really quick. Romeo and Juliet were not Prince and Princess. That's true. Your entire musical career was was built on a lie. When you think Tim McGraw, though, you better think of our favorite song, Mike. And that is, of course, Metallica's Enter Sandman. (laughs) And my bad jokes aside, we're moving into the wage around. The way the wage around works is simple. I'm going to give you three questions. You can wager any amount of points that you have built up up until this point in any way, shape, or form on those wager questions. The only thing I ask is that we will wager whole numbers only. No imaginary numbers, no made-up numbers, no decimal places, no fractions. Whole numbers only, please. On the first question, I wager I. (laughs) I'm going to wager pi. There you go. At least yours is like a rational number. Okay. You brought this on yourself. That's true. Here are your scores heading into the final round. Mike has 63. Nikki and Sarah have 79. You're going to place your wagers based solely on the categories of the questions. You will lock in your wagers and we will go question by question through this. Your three categories are the Beatles. Bad Boy Records, and American Idol. Okay, our wagers are locked in. I am going to start with the first question. And we're going to take these questions from the bottom to the top. Category number one, your question is in the category of American Idol. American Idol season one winner Kelly Clarkson has gone on to have an amazing career despite what happened in From Justin to Kelly, namely, the movie was terrible. Her career has seen three Billboard Hot 100 number one hits. Name two of them. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll lock in. All right, Mike is locked. Nikki, Sarah, talk it out. Um, I mean, Kelly Clarkson, I mean, what she did, like, Pieces of Me, which is really popular. Um... I think her first song that she actually did when American Idol won was probably like one of her most popular songs, but I can't for the life of me think of the name of it. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know that was probably a probably a number one song because American Idol was so popular right then. Wasn't there something uh, like stronger being like the woman being stronger something? Yeah. Stronger in pieces of me. They have locked in stronger in pieces of me. Mike, what did you say? Well, we have zero overlap, so uh, this is either going to reflect poorly on them or me. It's probably me. Um, 
the first song I remember after American Idol, which I assumed probably went, probably did it, was Misunderstood. Uh, and the other one I locked in with was uh, Because of You. Because of you. Okay. Question number two, your category is in Bad Boy Records. The now iconic song, I'll Be Missing You, was performed by Puff Daddy and Faith Evans singing a tribute song to the notorious B.I.G. What boy band featured on the song with Puff Daddy and Faith Evans, their song Peaches and Cream would eventually go on to earn them a Grammy nomination of their own in 2002. I'll lock in. Mike is locked in. Sarah and Nikki, talk it out. We want to wager a guess or pass? Just pass. I think we put zero on it, so let's just pass it. All right. Well, there's no uh, no hiding the uh, the wager there. They bet zero, and they are passing. Mike, what did you say? Uh, I, of course, made the natural assumption that Cream was also involved in the Presidents of the United States of America hit Peaches. So I said the Presidents of the United States of America, even though they were not a quartet, they were a three-person uh, three band, I believe, and um, they played their own instruments, and the song was called Peaches. Probably not signed by Bad Boy Records either. Probably not. All right. The final category is in the Beatles. Here is your Beatles question as Sarah chugs her ginger beer. Of the Beatles' 34 top 10 hits, which of their songs spent the largest amount of time on the Billboard charts with 19 weeks? I mean, my thought would be like, let it be, or... Mike hasn't locked in yet. Oh, I'm sorry. I have no problem with you guys talking <laughs> I, have no, I have no problem either. Talk it out as much as you want. Um, I will... Go ahead and lock in with what is likely a wrong answer and let them talk it out. Mike's locked in. Sarah and Nikki, talk it out. Yeah, the one that immediately came to my mind was Let It Be 2. There's just so many. Yeah. Like, I don't know if Yesterday was up there. If I feel like it's like gotta be it's earlier. gotta like to be like a billboard. I mean, I feel like it's gotta be something kind of catchy, like you know, dance like kind of a more dance. Like usually, like the more catchy songs are. I'm just trying to think like what are the songs that are like really like popular now versus what would have been super popular then. I guess. Right. That's what I was thinking. Like they're great songs, but maybe they just are to me. Um, I don't. I feel like. Uh, I don't know. Let It Be was one of the most popular. Um, just trying yeah. to think of like their early stuff, like Hard Day's Night. If I don't know. I mean, this is like a needle in a haystack because there's so many good Beatles songs. I couldn't tell you which one's like was on the charts the longest. So it's right. got to be all about yeah. dates and, you know, all that, which I just don't know. I don't know like time periods when each song came out. So I just don't know. So I would I would say like let it be. I mean hard state hard days nights a good one. Um, I don't think it's like I I mean the time I don't I don't know about like Hey Jude or uh I yeah I don't know. Do you just want to go with let it be? I think I mean I think so. I probably their most popular. I I'm guessing. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was then, but yeah, we'll just we'll just say let it be. Okay, they've locked in with let it be. Mike, what did you say? So I went kind of the opposite direction. I thought of the song that really broke them big in America, and I went with I want to hold your hand. Okay, we're going to read through these questions one more time. We're going to get our uh, answers one last time, and we will get your wagers as well. Starting with your category of American Idol. American Idol season one winner Kelly Clarkson has gone on to have an amazing career despite the box office bomb that was from Justin to Kelly. Her career has seen three Billboard Hot 100 number one hits. Name two of them. Mike, what did you say? Knowing literally nothing about Kelly Clarkson's uh, discography, I said misunderstood and because of you. Okay, so I shouldn't have said literally nothing. Knowing the bare minimum about... Anyway, you get it. Okay, well, you. I'm glad you know the bare minimum, but you don't remember what her first single was. It was not misunderstood. It was misindependent. Oh, shit. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Sarah, Nikki, what did you say? We said, what was it? Pieces of me and stronger, Nikki? Yeah, and stronger. I think that's what we said. Yep. Okay, and Mike, what was your wager? Uh, knowing nothing about American Idol, I wagered zero. And Sarah, Nikki, what did you wager? I think we put 10. We put 10. All right. Here is your correct answer. She had three number one hits. The first one is A Moment Like This. Oh, oh I knew yeah. it was something like that. I was like, oh, oh yeah. a moment. The second, I said this is the moment. You were so close. The second is Stronger. What Doesn't Kill You. I will give you credit for just giving Stronger because that is the actual name of the song. I totally forgot about the song. And the third number one hit of Kelly Clarkson's career as far as the Hot 100 goes is My Life Would Suck Without You. Uh, that's a yep, real Never song? heard that song. No idea what, how it goes. I That was the song I had never heard of, but it was a Hot 100 hit for Kelly Clarkson. Can no. you sing it for me, please? No. Okay. If, if for no other reason, then we will have no listeners at the end of this episode. Your scores going into question number two. Mike has trimmed the lead by betting zero. It is 63 to 69. Question number two, your category is in Bad Boys Records. The now iconic song, I'll Be Missing You, performed by Puff Daddy and Faith Evans, singing a tribute song to Notorious B.I.G., had what boy band featured on the song? Their song, Peaches and Cream, would later go on to earn them a Grammy nomination in 2002. Mike, what did you say? Um, because the question was not the police who wrote uh, Every Breath You Take, which was the song that that song sampled, uh, nor was it Gordon Sumner, who, which is Sting's real name, neither of which I would have known. Well, both of which I would have known if that had been the question, but neither of which I would have ever known because you say the category is bad boy records, and I'm like, can I bet negative points? I bet zero, and I said the president's United States of America because they recorded a song called Peaches, which is vaguely kind of like Peaches and Cream. Nikki and Sarah, what did you say? We said pass. <laughs> they had nothing. <laughs> I was also thinking the president's the United States, but I didn't want to say it because it sounded so ridiculous, but maybe not as ridiculous. Because it was. Oh, it was totally ridiculous. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Well, Puff Daddy found them in a basement 
in St. Louis, Missouri, no. It's not the president of the United States. Probably should have left them there. (laughs) No, this is the quartet out of Atlanta, Georgia, who has a Grammy win. They actually got a Grammy for their work on I'll Be Missing You, and they were nominated for their song Peaches and Cream. It is a boy band by the name of 112. I should have guessed a random number. Damn. Mike, what did you wager? Uh, again, because I could not wager negative points, I wagered zero. Nikki, Sarah? We wagered zero. Exactly. And that means everything comes down to your Beatles question. <laughs> I'm sure you're all shocked. Of the Beatles' 34 top 10 hits, which of their songs spent the longest amount of time on the Billboard charts? It was there for 19 weeks. Mike? What did you say? I said I went early, and I said I want to hold your hand. Sarah, Nikki, what did you say? We said let it be. We're going to have a winner after this question, ladies and gentlemen. Mike, how much did you wager? The whole McGillan. Yeah, I knew he was going <laughs> to 63. <laughs> like two of these things I knew nothing about, and that one I knew something about. Nikki and Sarah, what was your wager? 10 points. All right. It all comes down. Sarah is biting her fingernails. It all comes down to this. The Beatles song that's been 19 weeks on the charts also tied a record at spending nine weeks in the number one spot on the Billboard charts is a song that was originally crafted by Paul McCartney to John Lennon's son during a tumultuous period in the Beatles' history. Yep. Hey, Jude. It is Hey, Jude. Hey, Jude. I I almost went Hey, Jude. I almost went Hey, Jude. Yeah. They had two other songs. They were both on the charts for 15 weeks. They were She Loves You and I Want to Hold Your Hand. Mike, Mm. you weren't too far off in your thinking there. But that means that your winners here tonight with a final score of 59 to 0. Sarah and Nikki, congratulations. Should have just wagered zero across the board, darn it. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Sorry. Oh, no. Good. So I will say this um, Let It Be is the first song my daughter ever heard. I remember vividly. Um, it was like the morning after she was born and Leah was still asleep and I had her in my arms. We were sitting on like the, the bedside table that I had and I had her cradled in my arms. And I was looking at her and I was singing Let It Be and I just started crying like a baby because that song to me is near perfection. It's one of the best songs ever written. And it comes to my all-time favorite songs. It's top three. It's up there with, might be top two because I think the only other song that I listen to that often is uh, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding. Oh, good choices, both. Of my all, probably my two all-time favorite songs, but your winners tonight, Nikki and Sarah, congratulations. Mike, I'm sorry, one day, one day, I will not write a music game or music questions. No, are you kidding? Are you kidding? I love them. Like, you know, it, it expands my knowledge and it, and it expands the things that I need to be more aware of. So I love it. I think it's great. But everyone that's been another episode of the pub trivia experience. Find us on Instagram or Facebook pub trivia experience on Twitter at pub trivia pod. 
PubTriviaExperience.com as always. And coming in the near future, be on the lookout as we are going through a little bit of a, uh, we'll call it a facelift to the Pub Trivia Experience. We've got new music, new artwork, a new Facebook group, all that coming soon. But for the Pub Trivia Experience, I have been Chris. I'm Mike. Nikki. Sarah. We'll see you all again next week. Have a good one, everybody. Mike, do you have any idea? Uh, the, the, when I think of two, when I think of songs from 2016, I think of Mac McCollin's "Happy New Year." At least Prince can't die again. So, <laughs> no, I have no idea. <laughs>